You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. So one time I was in Kenya and I was supposed to speak to the village uh, where the Taraqua village is that we built this children's home. And the translator didn't show up, which was problematic because I don't speak Kiswahili. And I had this sermon that I wrestled over, and it was actually short. You don't know what that feels like, but they did. Um, it, was, it was a short message. Um, but I didn't have a translator. And so the, the one that was with me didn't speak very good English and couldn't serve as a translator. And so we just prayed, and I just offered a word on the Christ. It was Colossians chapter 2. And I just spoke. But as I was speaking, I would notice that this room filled with village elders were nodding their head at the appropriate times. You know, the times I would hope that people would nod their head, I should say, that, you know, which we, we'll talk about that later for y'all. Um, and I was offering this word, and, and it was just happening. It was just happening, and, and then I was done, and I thought, well, that was, I don't know what that was. And then the pastor stood up and began to speak to them in Kiswahili and began to ask them questions, and they were all nodding their hands, yes. Heads yes, and some began to even clap, and they were nodding their heads yes. He could understand a little bit about what I was saying. Well, come to find out, so could they. Now, how could that happen? It's exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2. I spoke, the Holy Spirit translated it in their hearts. Now, if you don't have a big enough, or big enough, that's not right. Let me say it this way. I didn't have a big enough theological box of the Holy Spirit to know what to do with that. Does that make sense? I didn't grow up in that tradition. So God busted the doors and the walls right off the box that I had the Spirit in to show me that Acts chapter 2 still happens today. Will we believe? So on that, we're going to have our confession, and Heidi's going to lead us in that confession. So I'm going to ask you all to stand and turn your attention toward the screen. Yep, as Heidi leads us in a reading of Acts chapter 2 as our confession this morning. Please join me. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound from heaven, like the howling of a fierce wind, filled the entire house where they were sitting. And they saw what appeared to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Look, aren't all the people who are speaking Galileans? How then can each of us hear them speaking in our native language? Some of them asked each other, what does this mean? Others jeered at them, saying, they're drunk with wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young people will see visions. Your old people will dream dreams. Even male and female slaves will prophesy. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. You can all be seated. 
The Holy Spirit who creates light and darkness and order from chaos in the creation story, that Holy Spirit, the same Spirit who resurrects Jesus Christ's body from the dead, is the same Spirit yearning. Everybody say yearning. That's what James says in his book. He says the Spirit yearns to stir up our hearts and give us a holy imagination to believe in new possibilities. The Holy Spirit is yearning to teach us to trust that all things can be made new, that all things can be made well. When we suppress the possibilities of newness, when we buy into the imagination that's formed by cynicism, by apathy, then we deny the Pentecostal hope that is ours by the costly, self-giving, self-emptying love God demonstrates with Christ on the cross. See, we can do nothing without the power of the Spirit. We cannot know the truest love except by the Spirit. We cannot know the deepest joy except by the Spirit. We cannot know an abiding peace except by the Spirit. The life we long for deep in our hearts, our yearnings are met by the Spirit's yearnings to become true in our lives. And it's possible, that's what the Scripture says, is that it's possible. We have the Holy Spirit, a life of love and joy, peace, and more than we can ask, think, or imagine, as Paul said, is now available to us because of the Spirit. What happened on Pentecost is happening today if we would only open our imaginations up to believe it's possible. In Kenya, I didn't believe it was possible, and the Holy Spirit met me in my impossibility. And thanks be to God for a God of grace who will still meet us with the possible in the midst of our impossibility. Come on now. The older I get, the more I understand that nothing will change until the church embraces the promises of God in such a way that we can imagine the world God tells us is possible in the scriptures. Then, and maybe only then, by the Spirit, the church will act upon the seeds of faith that have been planted in our minds and our hearts by what we see and believe in the death, life, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus as King. And beloved, I'm not talking about the myth of American exceptionalism and progress or of collective social activism. I'm talking about the sure and certain hope that we received by the Christ who has reversed death and liberated us from the reign of sin and death in all its death-dealing ways talking about how the Holy Spirit of God is working in us to bring authentic healing, deliverance, liberation, justice, forgiveness, peace, this newness of life to all persons and for an embodied witness in society and to every square foot of this world. Talking about what Acts 2 literally says. When it says in a society where men rule the world that not only men now will have the Holy Spirit of God and not only men will prophesy, but the women will too. That what was made unlevel by the reign of sin and death and inequality and inequity has been made equitable and level at the foot of the cross. Because the power of the Spirit of God has been poured out onto all people. Everybody say all people. It's all people. And one of the many tragedies we see at this moment in our society is a failure of followers of Jesus to imagine that things can be better than they are. 
in our communities, in our care for one another, in our cities, in our schools, in our businesses, in our relationships, in our politics, in our churches, and in our hearts. And so how do we embrace the kind of imagination where we act upon the trust that Christ instills in our minds and hearts? I believe we must see and believe and we must learn to receive this little thing that we talk about every Pentecost Sunday, frankly, something called divine interruptions. Everybody say divine interruptions. So let's think about it. This Sunday, 2,000 years ago, worshipers of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all gathered during their festival called Pentecost. And to their surprise, uh, experienced, uh, to their surprise, they experienced this outpouring of God's presence unlike anything they'd ever seen. And this outpouring of God's spirit and this proclamation of the gospel interrupted their agendas, interrupted their plans, interrupted their beliefs of every single person present. And the reality of this Pentecost spirit of power changed them and became a new kind of community that created a new kind of movement and so empowered by this interruptive spirit they were to live a new way of life joined in God's mission to restore lives as as little Jesus communities experienced that experiencing transformation and influencing cities for love and hospitality and generosity and compassion and justice. All of these core commitments of the reign of Jesus Christ as king. And they didn't do it through coercion. And they didn't do it through manipulation. And they didn't do it through legislation. They did it through Holy Spirit empowered witness. They did it because they could. On Sinai, in the Hebrew story, 3,000 died. On Pentecost, 3,000 were saved and made alive. On Sinai, Moses offered the law of God. On Pentecost, Peter, the one who had just denied Jesus, offered the new Moses, the Messiah of God, Jesus the Lord. On Sinai, the people of God received the teaching that is the law on stone tablets. On Pentecost... The people of God received the teacher, the Holy Spirit, written on their hearts. On Sinai, the reign of sin and death was made very well known. But on Pentecost, the reign of grace and life was made known. It was a divine interruption, y'all. Divine interruptions are the moments when God's Spirit breaks into our lives to interrupt our agendas, to interrupt our plans, our beliefs, to get our attention so that we can see God move. Do you want to see God move? These interruptions will almost always be times when we already have plans, when we've already set agendas, When we have a schedule for the day, a to-do list, a a different priority, or a plan of action, it's in these moments when the Holy Spirit often breaks in and invites you and me into God's agenda to see God move in real tangible ways. When I showed up at Kenya, nothing happened according to our plans because God had another plan. God's Spirit interrupts your day By bringing that unexpected someone into your presence. Maybe that's someone you don't even like. (laughs) You receive that desperate text message. 
that reads, are you free? I need someone to talk to. That's a divine interruption. You just got your tax return. And soon after, hear about someone who has a financial need that you know you have the ability to meet. That's a divine interruption. Your seat is taken. And you are bumped to a different table just to find you're being served by a server who senses, who you sense needs a kind word. See, the problem with divine interruptions is just that, beloved. They are interruptions, and generally speaking, none of us like to be interrupted. I got in trouble a lot for interrupting my mama growing up. (laughs) That's right, my friend. We all did, didn't we? And one of the problems with divine interruptions is that they're not concerned with our agenda beliefs, but God's Spirit actually is concerned with our agenda our God's spirit is concerned with our schedule. I don't want to stand up here and say God's not concerned about your schedule and your The whole reason the spirit interrupts it is because God's spirit is concerned. Just sometimes not the way we would prefer. See, the Holy Spirit may fit inside our hearts, but the Holy Spirit will not fit inside our preferences. And the problem with divine interruptions is that they aren't always welcomed. There are seasons where we're tempted to live these double-fisted lives. It's when we have both hands so tightly gripped to our own plans, agendas, and ideologies and have no hands left to open up for the Spirit of God. There are those seasons when we're tempted to walk around with do not disturb signs hanging on the doors of our heart. This is when our, our eyes are so fixed on ourselves or our own situation that we can't see others clearly. Sometimes we can't even see God clearly. And it's when I believe that no one has it as bad as I have it right now or that everyone else has it better. Or it's when I believe I'm always the victim, but it's never my fault. I'm just always misunderstood. Or it's when I'm the martyr because I'm always the one sacrificing in every situation. Or it's when I give a home to unforgiveness or anger toward another because submitting my hurt and pain to forgiveness is actually a lot harder than receiving the forgiveness that God has for me or for others. It's when I can't see past my privilege or my affluence into the vulnerability or marginalization of my neighbor because I bought into the idea that since I worked hard for it all, it's all mine. And when we walk around with these do not disturb signs on the doors of our hearts, we keep out hospitality. We keep out the empathy and compassion We keep out others. We may even keep out God. And the scripture calls this keeping out, grieving the spirit. 1 Thessalonians, or Ephesians 4.30. Also calls it stifling the spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19. But God wants to move in your life. That's what Pentecost reminds us. Regardless of what we came here to believe or to see today, the one, at least one good thing that, the, that Pentecost reminds us is that the Spirit of God wants to move in my life, in your life, in our life. Chances are the Spirit of God's already moving. We just ain't paying attention. So as the old saying goes, if God can't get my attention, God will disturb what does. God's Holy Spirit will interrupt me to get my attention to reveal God's movement in and around my life. The interruptions of the Spirit 
are meant to provoke a new imagination where God wants me to know love, joy, and peace more than I want to know love, joy, and peace. And without the Spirit, it is impossible, but with the Spirit, all things are possible. And the Spirit of God is at work in all of those who are the baptized to lead us into a place where we can see the God who knows us best and loves us most actually tangibly working in our lives if only we would open our imaginations into a holy imagination to believe that something new and even unbelievable is possible. We have been born of the Spirit in the waters of baptism and as Paul says, raised to walk in newness of life. The question for us on this Sunday, on this Pentecost Sunday, is are you and I ready for the interruptions of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's my introduction. <laughs> I told y'all. So we're going to pray, and then I want to lead us in a confession. And then we're going to keep singing. So let's all stand. Almighty God, on this day, you open the way of eternal life to every race and nation by the promised gift of your Holy Spirit. Shed abroad this gift throughout the world by the preaching of the gospel that it may reach to the ends of the earth. Grant us by the same Spirit to have a right judgment in all things and evermore to rejoice in this holy comfort. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So, beloved, if you'll turn your attention to the screen for a confession that becomes an extension of our prayer. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us because God anointed each of us to bring good tidings to the poor. God sends us to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, release to those in prison, and to declare the year of the Lord's favor. Holy God, your spirit inspires us to offer an extravagant welcome to all. You pour your spirit out on all people, O God. Your sons and daughters prophesy. The old dream dreams and the young see visions. Even the unexpected outcast and socially oppressed prophesy. God who still speaks, open our hearts to your continuing testimony. Holy One, through your love, we did not receive a spirit of captivity to fall back into fear, but have received a spirit of adoption, making us all part of your family. We rejoice that nothing can separate us from the love of God. With neighbors near and far, we join you in your mission, led by your Holy Spirit, so that all may know your unquenchable love. Beloved, know the unquenchable love of the Spirit of God. You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast.